Welcome to the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. Snap, crackle and cheap pops. And here's your host, Mr. Phil Woodvine. Good afternoon, ladies and gents. It is indeed Snap, crackle and cheap pops, the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. I am, of course, Mr. Phil Woodvine. And on today's show, we've got a very, very special guest. Uh, he has quite literally done it all, despite being a Stokey sort of living in Wales, which is a bit of a weird combination. Uh, he has literally done it all, so we are going to get a lot of really good stories out of him. And I know this guy, he is not going to hold back if he chuck a couple of people under the bus. And he's always good for some babyface pitbull stories, because let's be honest, they're fucking brilliant. So without further ado, let me introduce to you Mr. Steve Saxon. Sax, how's it going? All right, Phil, how you doing, mate? I am not too shabby, slightly bored. Um, not of this podcast, just of not wrestling. Just, it's weird. Um, yeah, it's been a, been a long time now, hasn't it? Just coming up to 12 months and no shows. Yeah, and I mean, like, this... like my, my last one was the last, um, like, I did a person few shows start of March, then I announced the show in Burnley, I think it was the week after. So middle of March, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a year. It's, it's very, very weird. Yeah, it's just my the, the the last show that I was on, I think, was the week before lockdown. I think it was like the sixteenth or was it the fourteenth or the sixteenth of March, something like that. Um, this is the longest I've been, and I think it's the same for for everybody. But it's the longest I've been in twenty five years of being in the business without being on the show. I mean, well, that's obviously what we want to kind of get into because you you've been in this business like a long bloody time, and I, like I thought my thirteen years was sort of quite deep into this business, but. Doing a bit of research for this show. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, mate. I have like Facebook snoops the living hell out to you. I've, <laughs> I've I've dove into every website, into every Reddit column, into Facebook galore. I mean, I've done my fucking research. The only thing I can't find is your wrestling name. I know it begins with D when you're under that mask. When I was working under the hood. Yep. Yeah, uh, Destello or Al Destello. How, oh, I'm gonna. How did this even come up? Well, it, it start, Well, it goes back to when I first started in the business when I was 16. Uh, I was trained by uh, a Welsh icon, uh, British lesson, wrestling legend, uh, Oric Williams, who's, who had a, um, a Mexican gimmick of uh, yeah. El Bandito. Uh, so after when I first got into the business and we were doing like the WWF tribute shows, which is let's say all the rage back then. Um, when that kind of run its, run its course, uh, Oric suggested putting me under a hood and going with the Spanish gimmick. So that's that's how that came about, yeah. Bloody, I mean, I've got to have to ask. I mean, do you, do you know much Spanish? No, not at all. Not at all, no. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing at all, particularly back then. Um, and I always remember being... Oric used to take some very, very funny places, some of the strangest places in Wales. Uh, and we were in this town, I, I had no idea where it was, it was somewhere in mid-Wales, in the arse end of nowhere, and he announces me, uh, he used to go through these phases, so he, I was El Destello, uh, but every now and then, he would probably forget my name, uh, because none of it was written down, he used to do the live commentating, the live ring announcing, uh, and so he'd just make up a name, and he called me Stevie Guerrero, to keep that Mexican <laughs> feel going, uh, on one of these shows, and I, I kid you not, mate, in the arse end of Wales, uh, surrounded by mountains. After the show, I'm putting the ring down, and I've got my mask on to keep kayfabe. Uh, and this uh, Mexican couple come up to me and start speaking to me in Mexican, and apparently they know the Guerrero family. 
Oh my! I mean, I love the fact they said speaking to me in Mexican rather than speaking to you in Spanish. Yeah, speaking to me in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's exactly <laughs> that's the extent of my knowledge right there. Oh my! I, I, I think you've just, you've just hit it. You've just hit the nail on there. We may as well sign off this podcast now because it's not going to Speaking in Mexican, fucking hell. I mean, like we we have got to draw attention. You are a born and bred Stokey. I mean, you went to Sneed High School, which is literally just up the road from me. Um, and you've also like ran a couple of shows in Silverdale. We are going to get to the shows because I know that um, there's a couple of good stories in this. But being but being born a Stokey, how did you end up moving to? Is it Wales? Is it Cheshire? Is it Chester? It's it's Wales. Yeah, I mean, where I live right now is uh, only five miles away from the uh, Chester uh, Cheshire border, um, but I'm still technically in Wales. But when when I was 15, um, we moved from Newcastle, well, from Silverdale uh, in Stoke to uh, Denby in North Wales, which is about 12 miles away uh, inland from Rill. Um, and it's because my my uh, my old man he used to travel from Stoke to Wales every day for work, so it was meant he was up at four in the morning, travelling to Wales full day shift, get back home about seven eight o'clock at night, and he did that for about three four years uh, before he, he enough was enough, so we moved to Wales. Yeah. Oh, and like bear in mind, Silverdale, no one's heard of this little village. It's not even in Stoke. Like yeah, we claim Silverdale's you know, kind of part of Stoke, but you've came out of Stoke. You've not done to you too shabby for yourself. Keith Myatt, he's also not doing too shabby for himself. Me, it's disputable. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> but like, in, in, this, in this tiny little village, you know, one road into this village, one road out of this village, um, we've created two fairly decent promoters and a, an absolute living legend. That's not bad for a little coal mining town. Not at all, no. And then, of course, stemming from Keith, you've got uh, young Ryan as well. Um and just Stoke, Stoke in general, you know, over the years, it's produced some some amazing talent, you know. Uh, Dean Ormark, he's a Stoke lad. Yeah, uh, yeah. Robbie, Robbie Dynamite, phenomenal wrestler. Uh, he's from Stoke. Uh, Klondike Case, of course, he's from Stoke. You know, there's some good names uh, come through the Stoke region. And it is always, um, when I first came through the ranks, there was still a lot of the, the likes of Keith, who are obviously still going to this day, but the likes of Klondike Case, uh, a few of the old world sport, Johnny Saints and what have you, uh, were still knocking around. Um and they all spoke very highly of Stoke, all of them, every single person. Uh, it was like the the epicenter of uh, big time wrestling uh, back in the back in the glory days. Um, so yeah, hey, Stoke's an amazing place, mate. I've got a special place in my heart for Stoke. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to ask because when people talk about you, sort of wrestling, um, uh, sort of yeah, the the sweetheart cities of of Britain that you know, produce all this talent, Stoke doesn't really get mentioned, like. I mean, they'll, they'll discuss Wigan, obviously, they'll discuss um, Manchester, Liverpool, uh, but Stoke never really gets mentioned. It kind of goes under the radar a little bit, but as, as you've just said, we've, Stoke has produced a lot of talent, a lot of dependable, uh, long-serving talent, but for whatever reason, it just goes under the radar. I mean, is that a case of, you know, like American companies, American TV kind of places you've never heard of? It? So they just say, yeah, yeah, it's, it's Manchester, it's Liverpool, or... Are we just a bit it more? Could, or what? Yeah, I, 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 I think that's that's a good shout actually, Phil. To be honest with you, I think maybe a, a part of it could be that when uh, and this is nothing against any promoters that currently run Stoke, but when the the days of the uh, joint promotions that then led on to the Brian Dixon days of running Hanley, um, the Victoria Hall, is it? Yeah, yeah. Vicky Hall, isn't it? Yeah, Vicky Hall. Uh, and when they stopped running there. 
Um, it didn't have that big, you know, you know, it didn't have the big national audience kind of looking at the biggest promotions in Britain holding the big shows in Stoke anymore. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, once Cy Goldstar had kind of uh, done their thing, Stoke kind of got a bit forgot about, which is it's unfortunate, but like, I get it. Because um, I've always yeah. said, like, um, I got interviewed by the, the Stokey newspaper, The Sentinel, and they were discussing All-Star pulling out of Stoke and just saying, and All-Star said, well, it's, it's you know, Stoke, for the, for the most part, it's a working-class city. It's very uh, meat and potatoes, you know. It's very, very working-class. There's not that many rich people in Stoke with you know, coal miners and that sort of thing. So when you're paying a grand plus just to rent Vicky Hall... You've got to get a, a damn sight of my people into the venue before you've even you know, pay off the, uh, the 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 venue hire. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. yeah I mean, I, I can I can see that. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business model, isn't it? And if they're not making the money they need to be making, then why go into a, a show or a number of bookings at a venue in a particular town when you know that you're going to walk out with with a loss or very 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 minimal profit for the work you're putting in? Uh, yeah. But but that did then leave a, a door wide open for the likes of yourself uh, and you know obviously the smaller promotions that work Stoke as well um, to go and do your own thing with less pressure of the old mentality of stepping on toes which isn't really a thing as much as it used to be uh, these days but you know up until a few years ago it, it definitely was if all stars were on Stoke, Stoke was their territory that was the way it used to be thought of but that's obviously changed with time yeah, I don't like it's it's such a weird um, world because I like I've I've tried to explain that wrestling to people that don't get wrestling. Like, yeah, I kind of see it on TV, don't really understand. But I get asked sort of promoter questions, and that always comes up like you're not standing on each other's toes. And to people that don't get wrestling or they're not into it or whatever, to them it sounds like we're the mafia. It's such yeah. a such a weird world that we're it's second nature to us you know we we just take it as it is but to explain to someone that, that you work with who you know, oh yeah no, no they don't come into my town without making uh without making that call first like what like it's not the mafia it's a bit of wrestling it's a bit of spandex and fake tan but yeah you know what well, you know, i've been there quite a lot mate we're, you know you know with with when i first started promoting going into towns and uh, it was always belonged to somebody else. That's the way it was seen. Um, but I suppose back then, uh, the difference being uh, social media, I suppose, is what make, must make a big part in it. That Because the it's, if I was going to run Stoke now, Phil, um, I would literally, whether I knew you or not, I'd just drop you a message on Facebook now. Yeah. Just to let you know the intention. Just out of pure you know, courtesy, that, that's all it is. Um, and with social media, because if, if, if somebody says, oh, I'm going to run Stoke, and then suddenly they pull out, with social media, people find out very, very quickly why you pulled out. And then that yeah. company that's giving you heat and giving you shit for running their their town gets even more heat on top of them. And so, uh, But it was always, mate, it was always, it always absolutely did my head. It's just a, an old school mentality of this is my town. And so, really? <laughs> Especially when it comes down, like you, for example, you're a, you're a Silverdale lad running local shows in your local uh, hometown of Silverdale. Uh, and then you have somebody that's from, I know, London, say, that comes up and decides they want to run a show in Stoke, and then suddenly it becomes their town, when they're not even from Stoke-on-Trent. Yeah, I mean, well, like, we've, we've kind of had it, and uh, we've a company called VPW. They're based down in, I think it's somewhere down south, like somewhere down sort of Cornwall-esque kind of, kind of place. Things, Varsity Pro-esque. Cornwall, I might be wrong, but I know it's somewhere down south. 
we had Preston City Wrestling come in, we had Southside come in, um, and yeah, numerous other promotions. We had like yeah, the World of Sport kind of revamped. They came and did Vicky Orr. and yeah, it, it's it's a very Mega Slam as well. Obviously, I won't miss them out because they the touring promotion. Um, yeah, we had like different sort of promotions kind of come in in and out of the city and. Um, like it, it would have like it would have wound me up at one point, maybe early doors. Now, I'm relatively certain that they're not going to affect anything at the Silverdale Working Men's Club. So yeah, like, we, we have, yeah you, you you have a core audience, don't you? You know, you have an audience just like I did back in the you know Britannia days. Uh, you have a core audience that is that they come to see your show. Uh, the kids, because they probably watch you know, whoever John Cena on the on the TV, they want to come and see the local show. Uh, the parents come along because they have to come along. But our sort of shows, I mean, the Pro Wrestling For You shows and the BWP shows are very similar in format. Uh, similar talent, similar setup, uh, similar storylines and what have you. Uh, the parents then get involved and it doesn't. you don't necessarily need to be a wrestling fan to go along to be able to go along to one of your shows and enjoy themselves. It's, it's entertainment and a, and a, sim- a familiar setting that's held on a regular basis and it's affordable. So yeah. when these touring promotions come on, or the... Or the in beauty bracket, you know, commas, uh, bigger promotions, if you like, uh, come in, they literally are appealing themselves to the wrestling audience only. You're, you're appealing yourselves to the local family audience. So, yeah, you're quite right not to not to sweat it, man. Your, your audience is your audience because you've worked your arse off for how many years now? Was it 10 years now? Is it 12 years? Um, yeah, it'll As be, a promoter. Uh, be 10, 10 years in March, which is which is crazy. Ten, yeah, yeah. So you've, you've worked your arse off in that one area for 10 years and, you know, it's paying off for you now. Yeah, I mean, like, one one thing that uh, we had um, a friend kind of come along, he said, look, I'm not a wrestling fan, but I am a pro wrestling for you fan, and that, for me, was just kind of all I needed. It's like, all right, cool, what we're putting out there is different, and we've got our own little unique setup and our own little unique uh, selling point, so we obviously must be doing something, right? So if, if PCW want to come in and do Hanley once a year, hey, fuck it, whatever, that's fine, we'll um, go for it. Like, you know, it's leaving to it as long as they're not coming in and shitting all over the, you know, the the town and getting us in trouble with the council because they put their, their posters up and us on the council ring me. It happens, but it is what it is. But I do want to get back to you a little bit because like, I know you fairly well because I, I started working for yourself in 2014. But before that, I don't really uh, know all that much about you because obviously I know you're, you're a big wrestling fan you always watch the rumbles and all this sort of stuff no there's no denying that you're a big wrestling fan but what made you from going from being a fan to just wanting to watch to being a performer like because some, some people just want to watch and that's cool they just want to just watch the pay-per-views talk about it online and that's fine what made you make that jump to say you know what I really want to see if I can physically do this but I mean uh, it's it's I think that's one thing I really do love about this wrestling business. There's no one way to get into it. Everyone's got their own different story. You know, they'll either helping out at a show and they kind of got noticed for their look, for um for being quite gobby. Something everyone's got their own sort of origin story. There's not a surefire way to kind of get into this business, which is which is something that I that I absolutely love. The, the absolute but, um, beauty of wrestling the absolute beauty sorry, I lost you for a second then, Phil. So go on, carry on. Yeah, so um, the one thing I always say, the the absolute beauty of the wrestling business is uh, there's a place for everybody. There's a role for everybody. doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter how how, uh, big you are, how small you are, how fat you are, how thin you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. 
Uh, it doesn't matter if, you, if you're wealthy or you haven't got a pot to piss in. There's always a role and a position for the right person uh, in, in professional wrestling. Could not have said that better. I have got to ask, because obviously we're going to get on to Britannia Wrestling. Now, I didn't realise this until not all that long ago, but um, when, obviously when you started Britannia Wrestling, you, you came to Silverdale, you did two shows at the Silverdale Working Men's Club. And I, I didn't realise that that was you under the mask as Aldo Stello. I was just sat there with a couple of my uh, BWA training group and we're just watching the show and all this sort of stuff. And you know, four or five years later on from that show, uh, and it ended up working for you. But like, how did the Silverdale gigs uh, come around? And I'm going to say, is there any stories from them shows? And I know there is, but I don't want to be the person to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So my third ever show was uh, in Silverdale in 2000. I think it was like March, April, March or April 2009, I think it was. Um, for me, it was a case of, uh, well, I lived in North Wales. I had my first ever show in a, in a small little village uh, called Clandernog in North Wales. And that, that was a great success. And it was like, well, you know, I'm going to try it again. I got another paid gig in Mid Wales, so I went and did that in the, in the March, so in the April, I think it was April 14th, actually. April 14th, 2009, I thought, you know, it's Silverdale. It's my old hometown. I know enough people there uh, from, you know, from going to junior school and high school there. Uh, social media wasn't what it is, right, you know, as it is today back then. So but I used it as much as I could to try and contact people. I thought it would be an easy gig, and it absolutely wasn't. Um, I really, really have... I'm really glad that I did the Silverdale shows. I loved working in my old and the old club that I used to that I used to my parents are drinking. I go to every Friday and Saturday, uh, so that was nice for you know nostalgic reasons and to say that I've I, I was accomplishing my dream and I was able to do it in my old uh, hometown as well was nice. But the shows themselves they weren't great at all. Uh, the first ever show from memory, I think it was the first ever show we did there. The ring collapsed. Um, uh, we had an old uh, ring that made up of scaffolding that was donated to us by uh, the Iron Duke Dave Doghead, an old uh, an old school wrestler. And halfway through, I think it was the second to last match, uh, it just collapsed. It caved in on itself. So we had to finish the show on just a framework of a wrestling ring because there was no repair in that ring and and the venue floor itself. So yeah, it was a memorable show. It was a memorable <laughs> show, but not for the right reasons. So. And then the second show that we did was probably about 12, 18 months later, I think, from memory. Um, and we ended up uh, damaging, which is completely my fault. Um, but uh, Keith, I think Keith Myatt was working, his son, I think. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. Keith and Ryan Myatt. Um, and as they were working on the outside of the ring in their match, I just walked past them and very subtly and very quietly just whispered, put him through the door. And Keith kind of gave me that cheeky little smile. And he's like, right, leave it with me, duck. Next thing, I hear crack. And he th I'm pretty sure it was Ryan. He, he launches Ryan through these double doors into the venue. Big, heavy-duty fire doors. And yeah. he, he completely took it off its hinges. Completely wrecked it. <laughs> uh, so after that, we, that, that, was, that, was the, that was the end of the uh, Britannia Wrestling um, run in Silverdale in Stoke-on-Trent. So, yeah, but... I have some good memories of those shows. That, you know, I'm really glad that I did them. Um, and who's to say that you would be you you would be where you are today? Uh, not that I'm taking credit for that, but if you weren't sat in that audience and saw what that show was like, and probably thought, 
I can do better than this. Well, and as soon as that venue came available, you got in there, and that's exactly what you've done. You, you did a million, million miles away from those two shows that I put on there. I mean, it's, it's a weird turn of events for that venue. So, I mean, um, obviously, you did a couple of shows there, then kind of like stopped after that. Now, originally, I booked that venue on behalf of uh, United Wrestling. So, I was kind of working at United and kind of helping Dave Dovecchio to kind of book the shows and whatever, I booked the Silverdale venue because I was still living in Silverdale at the time and um, I said, oh, well, I live in Silverdale. I can do all the postering and all that sort of thing. Let's just do a show on my doorstep. And United Wrestling kind of pulled out at the last minute. Um, I think it was like a week before the show. They just hadn't got the posters ready. They were just farting around and made me look a bit of an idiot to the venue. Um, and it was kind of like at this point that Press and Few had done two over 18 shows, and over 18 shows were just not the way to go in Stoke at all. And it's just one of those things. Well, I've been to wrestling here, so you can get a ring in, and it's it's a, a good setup. There's there's a good changing room downstairs. Um, I I know everyone in Silverdale. I know every shop owner. I call my family from Silverdale. I know if I run a show here, I could I could fill it up. Yeah, I kind of had the same uh, mentality as as you. Um, and it's just for you pure seeing you run shows there. So I know logistics wise wrestling can be done. Um, knowing what I could have booked for United Wrestling, but obviously didn't end up going through. And it's thought, you know what, let's just do it. And then we've just never looked back. So, yeah, it's a bit of a weird turn of events when you kind of think about it. Written in the stars. Exactly, exactly. I mean, like, it's um, there's, there's a few issues with, yeah, with the venue. I'd love the venue door to uh, to be at the back of the room rather than alongside the ring. Well, in terms of, it's a great venue. The line's decent. The the venue staff love us to bits. If we break the occasional thing, we broke. We put a hole in the wall, that which is Babyface Pitbull's <laughs> fault. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Cal Cal Supreme, Cal Supreme. Um, <laughs> I read about those those little slats that are on like the tier, like do the the railings. That's also pitbulls. Yeah, on. yeah, um, yeah. So we've broken a couple of things, but we, we make the venue lots of uh, lots of money. So they're like, you know what? Don't make a habit of it. It's all good. So yeah, big yeah, shout well, out. To is, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, it's, I, obviously, I've been to quite a few uh, pro wrestling for you shows as a fan, um, and the, the staff there, the bar staff there, are amazing. They are, they are. And then, you know what, they were, they were the same stuff that when I was there, and they were really, really good. Um, it's just, I didn't have that uh, relationship uh, to, to build with them. And it's purely from the distance. What you're saying, you know, you're a local lad, you can hit the postering all yourself. Um, for me, travelling from North Wales to Stoke to do the postering, um, it was, a, you know, it was the financial implication, it was the time implication. Uh, and you, you, you know yourself, Phil, it's nothing more frustrating than going out and handing out a couple hundred posters to come home to hear that those posters have been ripped down as soon as your back's turned, which used to happen an awful lot. And it's like, oh, it's so disheartening. It's so hard to get your name out there. So, But as I said, it's written in the stars. So you, Pro Wrestling for you do an amazing job over there. You, you are way too kind, sir, way too kind. Um, so I'm going to have to ask, legit, like I don't know how it's sort of me and you kind of... Um, came about because I'd stopped managing maybe early 2013. I was putting myself on my, my own shows, which I hate the fact that I did that. Like, it does make me cringe. But it is what it is. I can't change anything. I'd stopped early 2013 and said, you know what? I'm just going to run my shows. I don't need to be a manager. I don't need to try and get myself over or get any of this credit. So I'd kind of, like, left 
performing on shows by the wayside early 2013. Well, fast forward to the end of November 2014, you, you ended up booking me for Britannia Wrestling's main event, I do believe it was, at the Thrift, and put me with Don Micho, who, who I was with for a good few years. So, like, how did that even come around? Like, how would you have thought to put me in that group or put me with Don Micho himself? Yeah, um, the honest answer is I have no idea. But no idea. Or I, my, I probably, mo- and most likely, which was most of the, the, the cases back then, uh, was it would have come from a conversation between myself and Michael Holland, uh, DJ King. Uh, Mike yeah. has been like one of the main uh, consistents of Britannia Wrestling through the years. You know, diff- I've had different uh, partners, uh, business partners. I've had different people helping out in charge, but Mike's been one consistent uh, guy, he actually made his debut for BWP in Stoke, actually, on one of those Stoke shows in 2009. Um, um, that was the second Stoke show, which was the September one. Uh, so ever since then, we came very, very pally, and we did a lot of booking together. So I can only imagine your name came up through that. Uh, most of the time in wrestling, uh, as you know yourself, it, uh, you tend to book new talent based on your existing talent pool's recommendations. You know, they, they, yeah. this guy, or they've seen this guy, and this guy's good at that, or this, this, this girl might be good working with this person. Uh, so I, the honest answer is I don't 100% know, but I can imagine it was the same as everybody else. It was probably through a referral and through a drunken booking meeting between me and Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, what pair, though, that's right? usually how it goes. Yeah, well, that's one thing what I've got to ask. Pair, though, yeah? Like, Don Micho can kind of do it all himself. Like, he, there is no one better on the mic in terms of, he knows exactly what to say. He knows what not to say. He can wrestle. He can do it all. So, like, I always felt a bit strange being with him because I didn't need to to speak for him. So I was just kind of um, the, the sort of clown on his arm that was just there to kind of high-five him and just kind of like, yeah, Meech, great. Uh, but but he did work. Like, I, I honestly cannot fault that pairing for being put with someone I didn't even know. Um, yeah, me and Meech, uh, we were quite the pairing. It's really good. Maybe it's a ginger thing. You know what I mean? I get a bit of ginger in the beard. <laughs> maybe it is, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> but then, you know, fr- from the you know the pairing of Don Micho, it then led to uh, the Red Right Hand faction. Um, and I really, really like that. It, it did come to an end very, very prematurely. Um, but whilst it was running, you, had, you guys had a really good run in Britannia Wrestling. As heels, I had long-term friends from Denby, uh, the Hargreaves family. Um, he used to come to every single Denby show. Uh, and there was a period when the Red Right Hand were running things, uh, there, where we were doing a lot of shows in Denby. I think it's when we finished running shows in Preston and we moved over to Denby. Uh, and they stopped coming to shows because they could not stand you and Don Micho. <laughs> yeah. Now, these are guys that are obviously, you know, they're, one of, they're all around about my age. Uh, so they, they're clued up on the business. They've got young kids that just love to come and watch the shows. Uh, but the parents, they, all, they were all clued up. They knew what it was all about. And you got so underneath their skin, it didn't matter. They refused to come to shows until you, <laughs> until you guys had gone. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. I was like, how did I not know any of this? Like, <laughs> God, God damn, I'm good at my job. <laughs> what a fuck. What a fucking idiot. Oh, my God. But how, do you, how do you find it, you know, from going, working on a, um, a Britannia show and, and other shows uh, as a heel uh, manager to going back to being the promoter in your hometown where naturally you are the face? You know, literally, if you're um, working a character, you're a facey character kind of thing? Or I, I, I kind of think 
Uh, because I've, kind of, I've seen you do it on your shows and I think watching you on show day and seeing how manic you are right before the, 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 the first battle, I kind of echo that. I'm a big stressy sweathead as well. But you're not you where once those doors open and the fans start coming in. Even though you're not in character, you're not walking around and uh, being, hey, I'm the owner or whatever, you're, you're the host. And there's a big difference between being the owner and the host. You're kind of, you're welcoming people. You kind of show them to the seats. You're doing bits in the back with the talent. You, you found this new character level where it's, it's you, but it's not you, but it's not carried to you. And like, I find that fascinating because people that kind of come to my shows, I'm walking in and out and I'm saying to loads of people that I've sold tickets to and they kind of know me a little bit and they get to see a non because I'm not being a character, I don't draw the little teardrop under my eye like I do on your shows on the heel and that sort of stuff. They're see they're not seeing Phil Woodvine, they're just seeing Filthy or as a promoter, as a host, as the guy that's running the show. So, so trying to find a very weird um new ground. It's strange, but I love it. I love being that host. I like that people know that you are you are the boss, but you're also not you're not trying to put yourself over you're not trying to get your character over you're just being you if people if the fans have got an issue they can come and talk to you um yeah it, it's weird but it's, it's it's great all in one yeah it's just having that personal touch isn't it you know again that's why companies like uh pro wrestling for you and like bwp and like wrestle island and so many others um they get the core regular audience because we make it personal we take the yeah. time I, I know full well that, you know, a lot of the, the uh, wrestling fans from, from North Wales were on my Facebook account, on social media, and on Twitter account, Instagram, what have you. And I don't mind that. I don't mind sharing what I'm, what I'm happy to share, which, as you know, I use social media a hell of a lot, and I share quite a lot personally, yeah. professionally. Uh, and I'm happy. I'm happy with that. Um, and they get to see a peek into my life. Um, and when they see me on show, show days, it's as if they already know me. And yeah. The, you as a talent will see me one way, as you said, be, you know, as we run up to the show, uh, as we try and prepare it, we always want it to be as, uh, as perfect as possible for the paying customers. And then as soon as they step in through the door, the fact that you'll go over and shake the hand, uh, you, or you say hello, or you ask how the other kids are doing, or, or whatever, you know, some little bits of information you pick up from social media about those people, it goes a long, long way. And it encourages them to come back next time and spend their money. <laughs> Basically, that's what it is. But it's also, it's nice, you know, it's nice to, to get to know your fans. And it's nice that they feel that they that they got to know you and they, they and they'll become somewhat protective of you. So when that makes my job then as a character, Steve Saxon, much, much easier when I step into that ring as part of the actual two hour show and I'm trying to deliver a promo or whatever uh, towards one of the wrestlers. I as soon as my music hits, I know that that crowd or a large portion of that crowd will be behind me straight away. That makes my job so much easier. Yeah, I, I, I mean, do, do you kind of look at it? Because I know you're, 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 you're a publican now as well. Um, is it not like kind of being the, the, the landlord? You kind of know your regulars. you hey, oh, mate, come and have a party. Are you having your regular? Like, you're having your usual? You it's, exactly, it's exactly that, mate. That's exactly what yeah. it is. The amount of skills that have been transferable from the world of wrestling to the world of running a pub and a restaurant is amazing. And it's exactly that. It's having that personal touch to as many things uh, as you possibly can, introducing personal things into the pub. For example, um, if you're the female uh, regular, said that it'd be nice to have uh, a Tampax machine in the in the ladies' too, the gentle <laughs> condom machine that hasn't been used for about 25 years. 
but there was nothing in the ladies. So rather than do that, we just put free tampons and tampons in there for them. And it's like small little gestures like that go a long, long way. And it encourages people to keep coming back and supporting. I mean, to be fair, you have just had your fourth kid. So had you been using that condom machine yourself? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very, very I, I good point, to, Bill. <laughs> I had to say that. Um, well, do you want to go back to one point you did mention? Because you said um, you, you started running a lot of shows at Denby. Now, I was there for the, the last show. Oh, I can't remember the, the year that it was. Where you left the, the Frith, you know, the home of the Frith, for, for, like a, for a little while. Was it maybe a year, year and a half, two years? Yeah, uh, I think it was. Uh, I think it was 2014, maybe 2015. Um, we were, had uh, been at Frith for about five years up to that point, and we literally started off in that venue when that venue was trying to establish itself. Um, so we kind of worked with each other coming up, and we had a full time training school there. Uh, we had shows. Uh, at one point for two years that were weekly shows for six, seven weeks uh, throughout the summer season and then at least one show a month uh, thereafter out of season for the regulars and it got to the point where I'd never had to even put a poster out, a flyer social media again wasn't as big then as it is now so it was limited but we were selling those places out massively and it was every single show and it it almost became too easy Um, and I think in the end the responsibility, obviously, as a promoter, was on my shoulders. But what happened in the end of the final show, even though it was between the fans and nothing technically to do with, with us as a promotion on that one particular night, is we got a bit too comfortable there, to be honest with you. Uh, on one this one particular night, there was a big feud going off in the ring involving Pitbull, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> and then um, two fans at ringside got a little, two parents... Uh, who'd had a little bit to drink that night and got a little bit uh, chopped with each other and then ended up rolling around on the floor. Um, and the security stood back, the venue security stood back and let it happen because they thought it was part of the, the show because there was also a mass brawl going off in the ring as well, uh, which is unfortunate. But then one thing led to another and we ended up getting kicked out of that venue. So, uh, and I was absolutely devastated, devastated over that. Yeah. I, I, I can imagine, like if I got if I ever got kicked out of Silverdale, I know we've got other venues, but it's it's your home. You've, you've built it's your home venue, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. And like it was, I was on commentary for that night, and like I met ringside, and it was the weirdest thing I've ever ever seen. So you've got two, two, I think it's Pitbull and someone else in the ring having a having a big scrap. You had pretty much the entire locker room around the ring all fighting each other. And I'm sat there on commentary, I'm trying to call it. I'm not a great comment, commentator anyway. My voice sounds like someone's left a hoover on next door. It's not good. <laughs> and so I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to like do my best. I'm trying to cover it. And then out the corner of my eye to my left, the crowd starts fighting amongst themselves. Again, that's no fault of yours or the talents or anyone's other than the, the parents uh, themselves. And like it just it just became really, really strange. Like, do we need to stop commentating and go sort this out? Because they started brawling and kind of rolling around on the floor. Talent that were fighting around the ring were kind of like stopping fighting to stare at this, what was happening. So it was, yeah, it was fucking weird. But like, it's one of those things that kind of taught me just don't get, don't get too comfy. Things can happen that you can't predict and you've just got to roll with it. You've got to deal with it. And, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just one of them things. Yeah, and us too, you know, I mean, it was, I think it was two years later, um, 
I exchanged phone calls with the venue owner uh, and then with the venue manager. Uh, we came to an agreement of just, well, okay, we'll try one, we'll try one show again. We'll try one show, no promises. And they put very strict rules out for us. And I was like, okay, I'm happy with that. And we we got we went back there and what a show, what an amazing feeling it was to walk back into a venue I never thought I'd walk back into. Um and the the crowd that night was amazing and it was like oh, I'm home, I'm home. And I had to do anything I could to make sure that one show went to us two shows to three shows. And then after a couple of months, uh I think the venue had seen that okay, lesson learned here from their side. So um we're happy to have them back on a full time basis. And thankfully, you know, we 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 redeemed ourselves. Uh, because Thrift Beach Arena, the, the, you know that that venue is a perfect wrestling venue. Yeah, it really, it really, really is. I mean, a beautiful stage, really good setup, lots of room backstage for the wrestlers. Uh, the acoustics are really nice. The even just down to logistics, like the side doors, just to get the ring in. It all makes yeah. you know, that, that um, putting a fit. Oh. Plus, let's be honest, you're literally right on the beach. That's that's a bloody good um, destination for anyone. Anyone going for a little beach trip for the weekend, swing and see the wrestling, you're always going to get those new sort of touristy fans as well. Yeah, of course, you know, in the, in the, in the latter years, uh, Frifford had extended their, uh, their entertainment complex. So they have a caravan site actually on site now. And they got a plan for glamping pods on the sand dunes there. So that is a venue. Starting off in there from day dot when the venue was was nothing. Uh, help you know helping them working with them to build it up. Uh, and now Britannia, when shows are allowed to start again, should be able to capitalise on the venue growth. And you know it continues to grow, and their shows should continue to grow as well. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Fingers, fingers crossed. Now, one thing I've got to ask you about, and this is one of those. Um... Beautiful little moments. For me, you were like, how do, I, how do I put this up? Sounding a bit soppy. Now, everyone in the wrestling business, they're relatively confident. We're all pretty confident to get in, in a room and on a microphone in front of people you don't know and either insult them or compliment them, which doesn't happen in, in real life. But in wrestling, you've got to have a certain kind of confidence to do that. You've got to have a certain kind of confidence to get in the ring, to get out of the ring. You have a confidence to wear little trunks. You know what I mean? That's. Yeah. Like I've seen, I've seen, I've seen, yeah, I've seen, I've, I've seen the in betweeners. I, I know that shit. You know what can happen. Uh, and so we're all relatively, relatively confident. But I've got to give you a lot of credit, and I've never thanked you for this. But I do have to give you a lot of credit. You're like Phil. We're going to put you into the BWP Summer Rumble. I think it's 2016. I want to say, yeah, yeah. thereabouts. And I was like, okay, I'll be in the Rumble. And I've done bits of matches before. I've wrestled in you know, my suits, which is fair enough. You know, scaled down suits, so just shirt, tie, trousers. And I have wrestled on my shows in long sort of tights and a bit of a sort of vest top kind of deal. And you're like, no, no, no. you're going to wrestle. You're, you're gonna, we want you to be in that match for, for most of it. You'll be in most of the Rumble doing lots and lots. Oh, shitty now. Because I've never done that before. So I'm, get, I'm getting nervous and whatever. So bought myself some you know, actual wrestling trunks. And I was in Italy a month before the, the, your show. So I was nicely tanned. I'd been eating gelato for an entire week in Italy. So I had a bit of a ice cream belly on me that I needed to get rid of. And I was, I was like catatonically nervous because everyone wanted to do spots with me. You you came up, I've got these spots I want to do with you. And then Pitbull came up, I've got some spots for you. 
uh, Shauna Dearson and like every even Max Davies had came up and did some spots with me getting his shit Ma- in. Matt, I was going to say Max Davies trying to get his shit in. That doesn't sound yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah, I know. It's uh, again Cal Supreme's on that one, isn't it? <laughs> and I was ner- I was nervous as hell because I had like twenty different things I needed to remember, which I'm not good at remembering scripts anyway. I'm just an improv kind of guy, so I've got to remember all these different spots. I've got to remember when I'm getting chucked out because I know it's it's a spot with Dylan where he's going to chuck me out. I've got you telling me all these different moves I've got to take, which I probably hadn't taken half of them. And I'm in these little trunks, you know. We'll say medium trunks rather than little trunks. Medium medium trunks. They were and... short shorts, basically. They were short shorts. <laughs> I left a little cotton bit out the front, so they look like swim. Like, do you? You, your dad would take you swimming or something and he'd wear his little swimming trunks. They kind of look like that. <laughs> I'd say. But I, like from that point on, on any show I've ever wrestled, I've always worn trunks because you kick my fucking ass. So I know you're going to fucking do what you're going to do. You're going to do it. Whereas I would probably would have backed out or wore tights or whatever. And you're like, no, no, this is what you're doing because you're in that rumble so much. I thought I'm going to sweat my knackers off anyway. I've got to wear little, you know, just the trunks. And uh, I've, I've got to thank you for that because had you had not pushed me to that point, I don't know had I had I done lots more in just the little trunks. You know, I've wrestled, uh, you know, drilling little trunks. I've done uh, my, my sort of Where's Wally gimmick here in Silverdale uh, in, in my little trunks and whatever. So I've got, I've got to thank you for that because I'd never actually said to you, thank you. Having said that, you did kick me in the dick. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it swings in roundabouts, you know. You, you kick me in the dick. I've got a thick ear from you as well, uh, from, from an, like an insegory, because you kind of put your left toe in my bits. <laughs> the step up. You got the double whammy up, basically. <laughs> yeah, I apologise about that. Although, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I did tell you before we went into that that I do like to wear it snug. I'd never go in there to hurt people, but I don't like to see daylight between things. And it had been a while since I've been in the ring myself as well. But that was fun, man. That that, that rumble opening um, between, well, if a memory was it, you started off with Pitbull, you were one and two? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was out number one. He came out number two. And uh, he, he saw the head, my sort of tan from Italy. I was sunburned on my back. And he slapped the living That's shit. Right. My That's back. right. That's right, he did, yes. And then Dean McManus came, and then I came out, and you and I did our spots, and then Dean came out, and then you eliminated me out of the rumble, and then you carried this on. This is the first time. Was, this is fun. the first time you've actually said that. Every time when it gets mentioned, like, well, uh, Phil, let me tell people that I uh, kicked your head in, kicked you in the dick, give you a pick in. But like you did, I did eliminate you, and purposely <laughs> I tried to grab the back because I think you were in jeans, weren't you? It's jeans That's and a right, t-shirt. Yeah. I tried to yank those jeans so far up your ass because <laughs> my bits of my the side of my head was hurting so much. I thought I'm going to get one spot. You but grabbed it, you by the back of the jeans and heaved you out. It was a nice spot, though. It was a nice spot. <laughs> but man, it's, it's about all about. It's all about taking people out of their comfort zone a little bit. I knew that I know what sort of person you are in real life, Phil. We get on, we, we're good mates, we got on really well, we have, we have good banter, we have a laugh. And I know that you're, you, like me, you're quite a confident person, but without being a, a knobhead, you, you, but you're quite a confident person. Um, when you're out there, I knew that you would be quite, you would accept that, you would embrace the fact that they, the fans wouldn't expect you to be walking out there in these little short shorts. And still oozing confidence. And when you did, and when you walked out, the, the, the reaction was, first of all, obviously, the heels walked out. We're not used to seeing like this. And you get a bit of the laugh. 
but then the, the punters got behind it. And the fact that you were so confident by the way you were dressed just got under their skin even more. It's like drill. I know that you and I both use drill in a completely different capacity to, to all the other companies we work for. Um, I remember saying to Drill years and years ago in Denby Town Hall that the fans were getting, and I could hear the fans gradually getting behind him uh, when he was a part of the League of Violence, like a big heel faction in BWP. And they were, they began to sympathise with him. And I was like, you would make a, you, we could turn you. And everybody, including Drill himself, was like, no, they're, they're not going to cheer me. I'm like, I'm listen to you. I was, I, it took a few, it took a couple of months. And I was just, Drill, just listen to the fans. They're getting behind you without you realising it. And he accepted it. And turning drill face uh, at BWP was one of the best decisions we've ever made. And obviously, he's done it with you. And, we, and then you give him the pie gimmick as well, which sure, was that, that amazing. Was him. I mean, like each time, each time I was coming to BWP, like I was heaving the crowd. And like, like you know, drill the same as I do. He's a, he's a lovely guy. He's just very... I'm not. I don't want to say simple because that sounds bad. But he's just very, <laughs> very, very easygoing. He's not a stressful kind of guy. He's just pretty chilled. And I thought, like, if you could just tap into a bit of that um, northern comedian kind of gimmick, you know, the, the Peter Kays, the Ross Nobles, the John Richardsons, um, he'd make one hell of a face. I mean, he's kind of a bit like a Wigan Grado. That's yeah, you know, yeah, he is probably yeah, he my is. best one. He is a working class man that people can relate to. That's exactly yeah. what a drill is. What you see is what you get. Exactly. I mean, like, drill does give uh, me, me and you a lot of credit for kind of bringing that out of you. But I said, mate, we haven't done as much as you think you're giving us credit for. That's you. You're walking around before the show starts. I, I'm not going to do his accent. I can't do his accent as good as you. But he is kind of walking around sometimes with, like, a little Greg's food bag. And... <laughs> He does, yeah. He loves his little Greg's food bag, doesn't he? <laughs> well, actually, you know, maybe, maybe not now, because he is chiseled to, to shit at the minute. Yeah, he is, yeah. But, like, we did... I mean, we gave him the platform to do it, but that's all drill. That's that's just him in a nutshell. Like, proper, cheeky, funny, um, a, a northern scamp of sorts. So, like, I keep saying to him, don't give me and Sags that much credit. It's sweet, thank you. But it was you. We just happened to say, do more of that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, all that we've done is we've we've recognised something that he has, and said, "Well, just just try this. Just be basically be yourself a bit more, rather yeah. than this big big heel that's snarling at everybody. Just be the person you are backstage and turn it up a little bit." And that's all he's done. He's gone out there and he's done all the hard work himself. Drill's a fantastic work. I've uh, I've always got on with drill. I was a good fan to a drill. He, he takes it very personally when you don't. I could book drill, which I did for about a two year period on every single show. The weekly shows, the monthly shows, I can get him up to take training sessions two years strong. And if I don't book him for one show, it's like, what have I done wrong? <laughs> why, why, why don't you like me anymore? <laughs> yeah, drill. But yeah, but then the, the punters love drill. They cannot get enough of drill. And I only saw the other day as well that he was, um, he put a status up about because of lockdown and obviously a lot of people, myself included, uh, have decided to try to step away from the business or, or have mentioned that they've had thoughts of stepping away from the business. And that's one person that I hope doesn't step away from the business. I think this business will be completely different when shows are allowed to run again. And I think it's going to be people like Drill that will help draw the, the punters back into the venues again. Yeah. And, and I, I think he'll miss it, man. He, 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 has a, he has a passion for this business. And I think he'll miss it. Yeah, I mean... 
Um, I, I don't think I can say it better than that. I really do hope he doesn't he doesn't walk away from because he's got so much to uh, to offer. I mean, there's a lot of people in this business that do take themselves a bit too seriously. Pitbull. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only, I'm only joking, but sort of not joking. Uh, but drill. I mean, he goes that like, he, he can wrestle. He's wrestled in onesies up in Burnley for unstoppable wrestling and. He's he's got a good match out of me. Like he put me over for some for some reason. Um, it's a uh, Britannia wrestling dropped the the Welsh title to me. That's right. Just yeah, I really do hope that when shows start up again, drill is one of those focal points because he he could teach a lot and he doesn't even realise it. Well, I think you know it's going to be it's one of those, isn't it? It's very easy to uh, to think. Oh, you know, I mean, for years I I had been wanting as pitbull quite gladly tell you and anybody I was trying to get out of this business and uh, one reason it was always a case of okay I'll just see this storyline I'll just see this show out and then I'll do it and there's always something there to drag you back in it so when the shows stopped because they had to stop because of the uh, because of the virus that was for, like for me and Pitbull also took the same stances because he was my business partner BOPs but you know what now is the time for us to do it but yeah. the wrestlers because the wrestlers have got something that they haven't had for a long time they got time. They got the weekends at home with the families now. They got their new hobbies that they they've had to take up. Drill, you know, yes, you said he shed all the weight that he had on him. I mean, he, you know, he looks a million dollars now. People are, are discovering that there is more to life than professional wrestling. But, and I'm including myself in this. I think this is why I end up selling the company. I'm buying a company within the space of a matter of months of lockdown. Is I know exactly what I'm like. As soon as those shows start again. And I start seeing it popping up on social media and on TV. That's when the itch will be like, okay, okay, I'm not quite finished with the business. And I think that'll happen with a lot of the people that have been quite vocal about maybe getting getting thoughts of stepping away permanently from the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abs- I mean, absolutely. I mean, um, it's going to be a very different world when it all starts back up. But like, even just seeing clips of old shows and stuff, there's like the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Like, Oh, that was so good. Oh, yeah. if we could reboot that, it's like it's something you you'll you never you'll never get over it uh, fully. Even if you step away, you're still going to be a fan. He's still going to watch it and think, oh, I'd love to have done that. But it, it is one of those things. It's one of those things. Um, I'm going to swing you very quickly into our first game show segment. Uh, I've not pre-warned you about these. I, I do I do apologise, but more so. Not really sorry, because it's going to be a bit of fun. I've, okay. I've, I have called it, let's talk about sax, baby. Oh. Nice, nice. Like uh, it. I, I fucking hate myself sometimes. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, just, I've wrote down just a couple of little questions that I want to get like your, your opinion on. It might throw a couple of people under the bus, but all the people that we do throw under, they're going to take it in good jest. So uh, it should be good. And so I'm going to have to ask, if it was you and Don Micho, Who's going to win in the drinking competition? Oh, bloody hell. Uh, you know what? No, actually, no. That's a fairly easy one, actually. Uh, based on the PWP drunk commentary episode that Don Micho and uh, Disco Bert Fabulous did at my house a few years ago for the uh, PWP On Demand service, I'm going to say I would, I would absolutely drink him under the table. <laughs> he was a right state. I've got the outtakes of that somewhere. <laughs> I need to put that up. <laughs> yeah, I would win that one. Okay, that's, that's, I mean, I wrote a couple of little notes because I know you like your vodka Red Bulls. Me too. Tends to like his whiskies and stuff. But he does. 
Yeah, I've a very little note to put sacks, but only just. So, <laughs> okay. That one. Um, if we stuck heart rate monitors on you when you're working at the pub and just babyface Pitbull at any point in the day, whose heart rate monitor would go higher? Pitbull's. <laughs> Even when he's sleeping. <laughs> like, I, like, I love him too. He's, he's, he's such a character. I wish the fans knew what he's like backstage and all this sort of stuff because he's a character in himself. The, just the stuff that'll piss him off, the stuff that'll get him fired up, um, the, the impressions that everybody can do of him, which which is always fantastic. Uh, yeah, he's, no, he's just so he's so intense, isn't it? Every, everything about Sam, everything about Pitbull was so intense. Even when he smokes a cigarette, it's as like as if he's he's only got seconds left to live and he's got to get it down. It and then he's like <laughs> flick on the floor. Doesn't matter if you mid conversation, he's strutting off. He's going in his own direction. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, penultimate question. So, who out of these four looks most like an egg? Drill, Danzig, Ryloid, Ryan Myatt. Most <laughs> <laughs> uh, like an egg. Uh, Ryan Myatt. Oh, okay, okay. I, I've circled Ryloid just because um, I thought you know him a bit more. He's what nineteen twenty, and he's pretty much bald. Sorry, Ryan. He's still got a uh, little bit of stubble on top, though. Whereas Ryan Myatt's completely, he's completely chrome, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he is. He is like do you know that uh, there's a Simpsons where Homer polishes his head in the Shino ball over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Maybe it's a Ryan thing. Ryan Myatt, Ryan Lloyd. Yeah, there's got to be something in it. It's got to be. And so, last question. Um, so you take your inner circle out for a meal, comes to 98 quid. There's you, there's Mike Holland, there's Babyface Pitbull, and there's Johnny Goodman, all at the table. The bill comes to 98 quid, you all chuck in 25 quid. I've got to ask, who out the four of you is looking at that two pound left over and thinking, I need to, <laughs> need to fucking take that? That's Michael Holland every day of the fucking week. Tight <laughs> bastard. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, absolutely. It's, and if you didn't get that right, I'd be very disappointed, Phil. Yeah, I've, I've circled Mike. I mean, yeah. see that, <laughs> that if all four of you order different things, but you're chucking 25 quid, is he arguing that because he didn't have a certain side salad or he opted not to have a certain thing, that he should pay less? Mike would actually work the other way. Mike would know that we were splitting the bill four ways, so would eat and drink more. So we got more than okay. we thought he's worth. Even actually, Mike and his magic tether. <laughs> Mike has always, at any time, years and years ago, especially when we used to do the uh, thrift shows, the summer season shows, uh, we'd have like an end, end of summer uh, piss up, usually a real, um, or Chester or wherever. And Mike would always tag along and he'd always only have a tenner in his pocket. <laughs> and at the end of the night, he'd be absolutely fucking smashed. And he'd still have this magic tether in his pocket. He just has a way of finding free drinks constantly. <laughs> I mean, he is, he is definitely the uh, the trigger for animals and horses of the uh, sort of wrestling. Group. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I, I circle Mike. He is. Oh my! I'm gonna have him on a podcast and uh, bust his balls a little bit about this. Now, yeah, um, definitely get Mike on. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to ask because I mean, you you have had. I probably one of the craziest, most like baffling years in recent memory from anyone else that I can kind of compare to. You've uh, you've been married, uh, well, sorry, got married, not been married. That sounds a bit bad. You've got married, you've had a kid, you've sold your company, 
you have bought another company and you've ran a pub and dealt with crazy council bureaucratic bollocks every single day from from what it seems i mean what i'm gonna have to ask like how do you balance or how have you balanced all that but why buy a new promotion okay uh yeah it's been it's been a, a weird 12 months as it is as for everybody obviously uh but for me personally um as i said before it's a perfect opportunity for me to step away from bwp um so i did i sold up um it was the right time, uh, but then being sat at home during lockdown, well, I wasn't really sat at home, so I, I kind of worked all the way through it with the pub, but whilst having a little bit more time on my hands, it, again, that thought came into my head. Uh, I know that I will find it so hard to completely step away from the wrestling business when shows start back up again. So the offer came up to buy PWI, uh, which BWP was a part of for, for many, many years. Um, so I bought PWI UK, which meant... <clears throat> In my mind, if nothing else, I've gone from having a regional wrestling promotion in North Wales to having a promotion that could potentially be uh, nationwide, could be UK-wide. Um, so, and not just my own shows, but working with other promotions and what have you. So that was that, was that uh, train of thought. So that obviously, I still own PWI. What I'm going to do with it in the future, I'm not quite sure yet. But uh, when the time comes, I'll come up with something, I'm sure. The pub crazy pub was um was absolutely booming it was set to be the biggest year um ever for the pub with the amount of events and, and what have you that i had planned throughout the, the entire year uh, and then lockdown hits and we do all the the, the free meals for the nhs we do the the home delivered uh, meals for thousands and thousands and thousands of households across flintshire wrexham and, and denbyshire um we did that for months the process of that, we then set up our own uh, fundraising, in-house fundraising team that's now become a, a fully-pledged charity, uh, Team Red Volunteers. Uh, we do a lot for the, the local community, especially around the COVID, uh, the COVID virus at the moment. And then I find out that my, uh, my partner, Natalie, uh, was pregnant. We found out she, when she was 23, 24 weeks pregnant. Uh, so that was a huge shock, a huge, huge shock. Um, and then we got, we got married what two weeks ago uh, on the 23rd of january and then 10 days later just five days ago now uh our daughter was born so yeah it's been an absolutely crazy 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 mental 12 months man uh but it's been a very very good 12 months even like you said you know with the train i've been constantly fighting trading standards uh the local authorities north wales police to an extent uh luckily in my favor nine times out of ten um but even that is it, 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 it was it, it was hard work. It was frustrating, but it was positive. Uh, I've learned a lot of things. Um, I got a, a, a good local backing and following because of uh, what we've been doing with the pub and with the, the volunteering and with the fights against the local authorities. And stemming on from that now, <laughs> another cap in my hat now is that I'm now looking at stepping into local politics. What's uh, it help? Uh, yeah, something's come up locally in my own village on the, as part of the community council. Uh, and then county-wide as well has just been uh, put my way. So that's something that I'm going to be looking into. So that's, oh. that's kind of the, the – it's weird how the year started uh, off with the way it was supposed to have gone to the way it's ended. Now what could potentially come from that as well. So, yeah, it's, it's been a fantastic 12 months. That's a yeah, I mean, I, apart, I, I, apart from the virus, obviously, that's shit. Obviously. But other than that, yeah. yeah. 
I, mean, I, I didn't know about uh, the, the latter. So are you going to be the Bob Backlund of, uh, of Welsh wrestling? <laughs> yeah, we have a little red coat and a, a little white towel. Oh, my God. But I mean, it's about, you know, at some point, mate, you know, as you said about balancing time, I don't know, I don't know how I do it. I, I don't sleep a lot. Um, and I never have done, really. So, I get, as you know, you'd get a random message from me at 5 o'clock in the afternoon or 3 o'clock in the morning. It's, you know, it's whenever I'm up and about and the mind's working, I work. Um, but at some point, someone's got to give, hasn't it? You know, uh, you know, when the wrestling shows start back up, when the pubs are allowed to reopen, the restaurant... And then you've got the council work and the, the local community work, the voluntary work, and then starting up PWI as well, and a newborn baby as well as other children. And it's like, well, something's got to give. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, I genuinely do think that you enjoy the chaos. I think you enjoy... Um, I, don't think, I don't think you enjoy being bored. Would that, would that be a, a fair assumption? Yeah, you'd like stuff to be going on. Even if it's manic and chaos, at least it's exciting. Exactly, yeah, exactly that. That's why it is. I um, I have a very overactive mind, um, and I have yeah. to stay busy. I have to stay busy, uh, otherwise I just go crazy. Um, and yet, you know, sometimes the, the chaos, the mayhem, you know, everything that's been going on um, at the time when it's happening, it's frust- very frustrating. But then, as soon as it's dealt with, it's like, oh, you know what? That was good. That's possible. I can take something positive from that and move on. I've got loads of constantly spinning plates, but that's that's. That's the way I like it. That's the way I function. Exactly. I mean, you can rest when, when you're all dead and buried or dead and cremated, whatever. You can rest then. Until then, I say, make some hay. You know what I mean? While the sun's shining. Mate, the amount of times I've said this week since uh, uh, Hallie's been born, that uh, sleep when you're dead. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll sleep when I'm dead, man. But this race, that will be, in this race, it won't be long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you have just celebrated your birthday as well. I mean, it's 38, 39. 39, yeah. Are you going to be one of these guys that's 39 for a good few years? I've got to ask. Say that again, sorry. I lost Sorry, are you going to be one of these guys that that is like 39 for about three or five years? (laughs) Um, No, you know, fuck it. I'm embracing it. I'm 40 next year. Uh, I'm not in the bad shape. Uh, I am loving life at the moment. I love my career, my, you know, the hospitality. I love... The wrestling industry, whether I'm a part of it or, or just a fan, I still love it and still takes up a big part of my life. And I love my family. I've got a, you know, I've got a beautiful wife. I've got four amazing children. Um, so I, I'm, I'm embracing it. It is what it is. I'm 40. You know, 40 is the new 20. That's why I'm looking at it. Yeah. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chuck in like a little asterisk next to one of the comments you made. You've got three great kids and one little shit. Like, I can't remember what his name is. <laughs> Every show I came to, it's like he tracked me down just to try and drop kick me in the back of the head. I'm like, what have I done to you? What have I yeah, done? That'd be, co- that'd be cool. <laughs> yep. The one. It must be a, it must be a Stoke one. thing because he used to do the same thing to uh, Keith Meyer. I've actually got a photo somewhere of Cole when he was really, really young kicking Keith, uh, Keith Meyer, <laughs> Meyer right up the arse. It must be a Stokey <laughs> thing. Little bastard. Oh my god. <laughs> now we're we, sorry, sorry, just calling your kids a little bastard. Like hey mate, he's, he's 17 this year. He gets called worse. Bloody hell. God, that makes me feel old now. That's crazy. Mate, like I'm I'm cool with just having me and my dog. Like, me and Gingerbread are cool. We don't need any kids coming along. I can't handle that shit. Well, not hey, for me. That's what I said, mate. That's why we got the border collie, pal. Yeah, that's what I said <laughs> four years ago. 
Well, dare I ask, are we having the snip? Oh, mate, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know what I'm looking forward to about the end of lockdown more. I don't know if I'm looking more forward to going on holiday than to Spain or anywhere that's hot or if I'm looking forward to having a vasectomy more. I don't know. I can't decide. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, my dad told me, and I'm sure he didn't mean it in this way, but he's not a... He's, he's quite like a straight-laced guy, kind of guy my dad was. And he said, you know what, Phil, after you were born, I went and had the snap. Like, wait, what? In what, <laughs> way, what way does he mean that? Like, did he think I've had the best, now let's stop? Or did he go, fuck you, now look at the state of that. We need, we need, we need, we need to stop this. We're not having any more of that coming out. Oh, my God. That's a proper, but, dad, proper dad comment, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just no, no irony. Just, just stares you in the face while he's just told you that uh, he doesn't want any, any more after you. Well, cheers to that, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm going to end on a, on a little... Uh, it's like a little wrestling game we've kind of started to play. It's a bit office management, this little game, but I think it really does apply to professional wrestling. It's called Stop, okay. Start continue so i want you to think of one thing that we need to do as a business that we need to stop one thing is as a business we need to start and one thing we need to continue so the thing that, that you think we the, the wrestling people do better than anyone so stop start continue okay uh so stop um this may sound a little to start off as if i'm contradicting something i said before but i'm not um stop with the interacting too personally with the fans online. I think it's okay to be connected to fans, whether through personal pages or, or you know, uh, um, what, what they call uh, business pages or whatever. I think that, that's absolutely fine, and it's a massive part of the business now. Uh, but the fans themselves get too involved sometimes. Um, let's remember it is a business. Let's remember it is entertainment. So let's remember that these people in, that are out there doing the show are characters on a show. Um, and let's have that little bit of a divide. It's good to be friendly with these people without being friends with these people. Start. Yeah. Well, start next. Was it? Yeah. Start. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, start. What should we start doing? Uh, start working together more. That's something that I've always said. Uh, stop this division of us and them. Um, more promoters and more promotions should work together. Um, British wrestling was going through a big, big boom. A number of years ago, not that many years ago, man. And because of that, WWE jumped straight onto it. And now they have some of the biggest names in their company, whether it be NXT, NXT UK or WWE, um, or, or even AEW or TNA, are all Brits. Some of the biggest names coming through the ranks right now are Brits because they saw what was coming out of our, uh, out of our country and they wanted them. Um, so, yeah, um, Sorry, yeah. Uh, sorry, Phil. That's a bit off course there. Do you edit um, these? Yeah, I've, I've got. Yeah, um, yeah please tell me. Uh, yeah, I'll DJ Chris. He edited, he edited them for me. I'm, I'm not good with technology. He does it all for me. Um, so, last but not least, so it's continue. What do we need to continue doing? What thing are you most proud of? Do you go, you know what? We do this better than any other sector, any other business, any other uh, former entertainment. What do we need to continue doing? Uh, I think it's the um, the training, the development. Uh, keep developing homegrown talent. Um, personally, through BWP, we went through a stage where we were bringing a lot of imports over uh, for nearly every single show. Um, and we were losing money or we weren't making as much profit because they're so expensive. Uh, where in the latter years, 
because of the success of the British talents uh, that went over to WWE and you know New Japan and what have you, um, we found that we didn't need to bring the imports in because our own homegrown talents uh, were bringing in just as many punters. So that's something that we have always done uh, as uh, well. BWP as a company, uh, for me personally, and for British wrestling in general, is we've always focused on homegrown talents, the actual core wrestling skills that the Brits have. It's completely unique to anywhere else in the world. There's a reason the Yanks come over to Britain to uh, learn to or to learn our style of wrestling, um, and that's uh, that's our strength. Uh, and I think that's something we definitely need to continue moving forward to developing our own homegrown talents. Perfect, absolutely perfect. Um, is it, before we sign off, is there anything that you want to promote? Whether it's uh, whether it's the pub, whether it's your own your personal channels, anything like that? Uh, well, I've got nothing to promote, but I've, I, I've got it shut down at the moment. But yeah, <laughs> if you ever when the pubs are allowed to reopen, whatever year that may be, if you're ever passing through North Wales through Penneford, then feel free to call into the uh, to the Red Line and Penneford. Uh, decent meal, decent pint, decent prices. Uh, keep your eye open for PWI UK. There's not a lot going on at the moment, obviously, but as soon as we do get the uh, green light for British wrestling shows to uh, start up again, I'm sure that you'll start seeing bits and bobs on there. And yeah, give me a follow on on Facebook, Steve Saxon, uh, on Twitter. Uh, I think it's the real Sax. Uh, oh, in Sax we trust. Sorry, Instagram and Twitter is at in Sax we trust. Um, but other than that, there's fuck all going on at the moment. Nothing at all. Fuck all. You know what? That is the perfect line to fucking end this on. You know what? There is fuck all. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know we've been talking about doing this show for like a little while, but obviously you've had an absolute manic time. Um, but honestly, Steve, thank you so much for you know, finding like an hour, hour and a half to do this, mate. We know how, how precious your time is at the minute. But if it saves you from you know, cleaning one dirty nappy or something, then I reckon we, we can call it equal. Yeah, Matt, I really do appreciate that. <laughs> it's been good catching up, man. It's been good to hear your voice as well. Like I said, it's been it's been too long for, for us all where we haven't seen each other because we've not been able to. And I know we chat online. I know we have interaction, but it's not quite the same, is it? So, And hopefully not too much longer now, mate, where we can actually get to a show or get to the pub and have a beer together, man. Sounds good to me, dude. Sounds good to me. So, obviously, thank you so much for doing this. But, uh, ladies and gents, this has been Series 3, Episode 10 of Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pops, the Pro Podcast. He's been Mr. Steve Saxon. I've been Phil Woodbine. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Thanks for listening. Check out Pro Wrestling For You on all social media platforms and stream our back catalogue of shows over at pw4uondemand.co.uk.